Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fireside Giants. I'm your host, Anthony Rivardo, joined by my co-host, Alex Wilson. And the New York Giants are preparing for a big game on Sunday afternoon versus the New Orleans Saints. This is going to be a big one because the Giants are on a three-game winning streak. They win this one, and a few other things happen. There's actually a very slim but possible chance that the Giants could be in the seventh seed in the NFC wildcard spot by the end of this week. And again, they need to have like five different things happen for them, so it's a long shot. But at the at the end of the day, a win this week brings them closer to the playoffs. So this is an important one for Tommy DeVito and the gang as they look to keep their winning streak alive and make that last second push into the postseason. And potentially, it sounds like Tommy DeVito is going to be having some reinforcements joining him on the offensive line or on the line of scrimmage in the offensive lineup this upcoming weekend. The Giants just activated the 21-day practice window for Darren Waller. He was speaking to reporters yesterday, said that if he needs to, he probably could go out there and play this upcoming Sunday. Could he play the whole game? Probably not. But I think the number that he said was around 70 to 80% strength is where he's at. So he would play probably 70 to 80% of snaps is what he said. So Darren Waller might be out there big addition for the New York Giants offense which has been a lot better in recent weeks and adding him to the mix would only serve to uh, develop this offense even further and help us push to that playoff spot that the New York Giants are actively chasing so hopefully Darren Waller will be suited up if not this week should definitely be back by next week so we're going to go ahead and discuss in this episode the impact of Darren Waller what he can bring to the offense what he what his uh, influence on the offense would do for some of these other players because I think that's the real key talking point here even a half strength Darren Waller has a big impact on the offense because the way he sets up other players like Jalen Hyatt and Wondell Robinson which we will dive into and we also want to talk about the offensive line because while it's still pretty bad it's a lot better than it has been no sacks allowed last week yeah Tommy DeVito broke out of a few sacks so he kind of helps that number look a little little bit better on Monday night but really just in general we have definitely seen some progress and some improvement from this offensive line and from this Giants team in general. So we're going to go ahead and talk about the offensive line a little bit as well and just kind of give them a little bit of flowers. Not like a rose bouquet, but maybe a couple sunflowers at their feet because they are playing a little bit better. But before we dive into all this, make sure to leave a like if you do enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode. Comment your thoughts on the topics down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. Go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. Without further ado, Alex, how are you doing today, my friend? And what is your reaction to the New York Giants potentially getting Darren Waller back in the lineup this Sunday? I'm doing pretty well. And look, uh, Giants winning football games always gives you a little bit better of a feeling the following week. And you know what? Uh, at this point, I guess what would they say the percentage of us making the postseason is like 0.4%. I think that's what it is, or 4% less than that. Um, not ideal. And certainly not something that I'm going to sit here and tell you is realistic because it's not. However, We've also seen crazier things happen. You know, we've seen catches that, you know, would, would make you pass out just in terms of how excruciatingly unlikely these things are to happen. And the Giants making the postseason, while it would be mind-blowing, 
I think that that ultimately is what you play the game for, and I think that's what the players are certainly um, kind of rallying behind right now. So, you know, looking at what Darren Waller brings to the offense and what we hoped he would bring to the offense was a big body red zone threat that also exceeds in pretty much every portion of the field. He's not just a red zone threat. He's not just a touchdown uh, manufacturer. He's also a really good option moving the chains. You know, a guy that you can trust a security blanket, a guy that can attack the seams, a guy that you can put out wide. He's not just a tight end. In fact, he's more of a receiver than he is a traditional tight end. And that's what the Giants are severely lacking at times. Um, I've been really impressed with the way that Tommy DeVito's maximized other players. Now, we know Paris Campbell was benched. Uh, there's a whole story that came out about that. And, you know, who will really benefit if now is Wandell Robinson. Less, you know, share going to Paris, a lot more share going to Wandale. You know what he did? 115 yards from scrimmage last week. Um, he is just, you know, a stud. He's been eating, and we know this. Jalen Hyatt, you know, Tommy DeVito has made some excellent throws to him. Didn't do much last week, but the week prior... Um, obviously stood out and was just a tremendous you know, asset for our offense. I think that getting Waller back opens things up. It helps Saquon Barkley. It helps Tommy DeVito. And I'm curious, man. I really am. I'm curious to see how Tommy DeVito attacks a legitimate, like, you know, I'm not going to say he's a WR1, but he's our de facto WR1. Um, and I honestly think that it's going to be fun to watch Tommy DeVito leverage a talent that is, you know, you could say objectively our best receiver, um, you know, in terms of everything he can do. Waller's our, our most athletic receiver for his size. He's got decent enough hands, ridiculous wingspan, and, you know, Tommy's been pretty accurate with the football. So I wonder if Brian Dable, which he's been telling him, go out there and freaking rip it, man. Don't hold back. Rip it. Get crazy. Have fun. Get creative. And, you know, do what you do. Like, sometimes getting off script has been Tommy's MO. That's really where he's been actually flourishing is out of structure. Um, and I think that, you know, those throws on the run, those throws, you know, where he is kind of scanning the field, trying to find an open receiver, like, Waller is actually really good for him in that regard. I think that he's going to be a really good asset for for Tommy there, uh, Captain Cutlets, to help boost this offense and move the football downfield. So, you know, when you're looking at Waller and his quality, his skill set, how do you think it plays into the way that Tommy DeVito actually plays the game in this kind of out of structure, uh, backyard football, running the football, making moves? Um, you know, he can throw from the pocket and throw under in, in structure, but I actually like him a lot when he's on the move and the things he can do when he when he keeps his eyes downfield. Because as you and I have said in the past, Daniel Jones, you know, when he was when he was healthy. He doesn't ever look downfield. He always his eyes drop below, um, you know, below the first down marker, and he tends to check down underneath. And a lot of teams just bite down on those routes. A lot of teams know he's not looking downfield, trying to take shots, being you know playing more out of structure and 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 making plays to help extend drives. Instead, he throws it short, and teams bite on those and they jump cut those routes a lot of times. Tom Field's the exact opposite, and I think opposing defenses are kind of having a little bit of a trouble with it because they're so used to the other way Giants quarterbacks usually play, and that they're checking down and they're not going. Going deep, so it's kind of interesting to see like the polar opposite of what Tommy DeVito brings to this offense. And I love the fact that Dable's just telling him to rip it. But how do you think Waller kind of plays into the equation once he comes back? So, like I said, I think that maybe the biggest impact that Darren Waller is going to have is not just as himself being a great receiver in this offense, because again, he's probably still going to be bothered by that hamstring injury. He's not playing at 100%, but it's the way that he opens things up for other players. And I want to kind of point to week seven win over the Washington Commanders. Of course, Daniel Jones not in the lineup, neither Tommy DeVito. It was Tyrod Taylor getting the start in week seven. Giants pick up the win. And in that game, you had Darren Waller receive eight targets, seven receptions, 98 yards, one touchdown. 
all of those other than the receptions um, and the targets were season highs. It's the most yards that he had. It's the only touchdown that he's had this season. But now let's take a look at something else correlated to that. Also in that game, a season high in targets for Jalen Hyatt. He had five targets in that game, hauled in two receptions, 75 total yards. So my point here being, when Darren Waller is in the lineup running up that seam, it pulls a safety to cheat over the middle, and it pulls the cornerbacks a little bit that way and opens things up on that boundary for Jalen Hyatt. I know that the Giants at the beginning of the season had Jalen Hyatt a lot of the times working out of the slot and being that deep threat. Well, in recent weeks, you've seen him play a lot more on the boundary as an outside wide receiver. And in that game versus Washington, those two big plays that he had came from the boundary. And that is because of the impact of Darren Waller being that presence in the middle of the field and being that focal point for defenses to key in on. They're pretty much focused on slowing down Darren Waller, making sure that he doesn't break the game wide open, running open across the middle of the field. And again, that pulls the safety into the middle and that leaves the boundary open for a guy like Jalen Hyatt. And why I think this is really important for Tommy DeVito is because the guy likes to take shots downfield. He likes to look deep. He likes to rip it, right? Like you said, Alex, and like Brian Dable tells him to rip it. But it's a little bit tough to do that when defenses know that you like to do that and you don't have that many deep options. So when you only have really one true deep threat out there and that deep threat being Jalen Hyatt, you have to you have to fall back on trick plays like a flea flicker. So the Giants did hit a deep shot last week. The flea flicker to Wandell Robinson, it was up in coverage. Wandell made a great play on the ball, came down with it. But those are the kind of plays that you have to resort to when you don't have enough playmakers going down field that the defense respects. You kind of have to catch them off guard with a little bit of trickery and throw up some 50-50 balls. And not that you really want to throw up 50-50 balls to a shorter receiver like Wandale Robinson. Again, he made a great play, but you don't want to rely on that. But now with Darren Waller being in the lineup, you can kind of have him go up the seam, go up the middle of the field, and they have to respect his presence there. It opens things up for other guys that are also respected deep threats. So now you have two deep threats. You got Darren Waller and Jalen Hyatt. So I expect this Giants passing offense to take a step forward this week um, if Darren Waller is is playing and if he is at full strength or at least close to it because I think it opens things up a lot downfield for Tommy DeVito to throw two guys like Jalen Hyatt and of course to Darren Waller himself. The other impact that I think this has is on Wandale Robinson because a lot of Wandale's uh, impact comes in the short to intermediate range. So when you have a guy like Darren Waller pushing downfield, maybe running a 15-yard dig, then you got that little drag route underneath and that's where Wandale Robinson gets wide open because the linebackers that go a little bit further back off the line of scrimmage, they back off and try to make sure that Darren Waller doesn't get behind them and get wide open, and that causes somebody to get in front of them, that's somebody being Wandale Robinson. So again, I think that Darren Waller has a huge impact on this passing attack without even touching the ball. He doesn't need to get the ball into his hands to have an impact, just because lately we haven't seen much of any production from the Giants' tight ends. Like, I love Daniel Bellinger, but for what the Giants are trying to do offensively in the passing game, He's not much of a fit. They really need that athletic presence over the middle of the field, that guy who can make those plays and stretch the defense and get up the seam. That's what this offense has been missing in recent weeks. And now if you get Darren Waller back in this lineup, I think that that presence there really opens things up underneath for guys like Wandale and opens things up over the top for Jalen Hyatt. So again, I don't think he's going to be playing at full strength. I don't think he's going to go for 100 yards and a, and a touchdown catch. I don't think that's what we can expect from Darren Waller. But what we can expect him to do is kind of be a decoy out there, run the routes that he needs to run, pull the safeties out of the area, pull the linebackers out of the area, and open things up 
for his teammates. I think a lot of Giants fans and a lot of NFL fans really are sleeping on the Giants going into this game. I know that they're like six-point underdogs. I think that's absurd. I, I really think that this Giants team is rolling, and considering that they're getting Darren Waller back in the lineup, once they have him back in the lineup, the way that that should open things up for everybody else is monumental when you really break it down. So, And even Saquon Barkley, let's take him for example. The Giants have made it a point of emphasis to get Saquon Barkley more involved in recent weeks, particularly in the passing game as a receiver out of the backfield. When you got Darren Waller lined up in line, a linebacker has to cover him or a safety has to cover him. What does that mean? That linebacker or safety is now no longer covering uh, Saquon Barkley out of the backfield. So you'll open up a lot of opportunities for him as a receiver as well. So there's a lot that Darren Waller can really do for this team. There's a huge impact that he can make in that passing game outside of just being a good receiver himself. But when you're even looking at him as being just a good receiver... He was putting up some pretty damn good stats before his injury. Now, was he completely consistent and just game-breaking every week? No, he wasn't. But you think back on that really good game that the Giants had against Arizona in Week 2. He had six receptions for 76 yards and a handful of first downs. That's what he's on this team to do. Get open, put up around 70 to 100 yards, and convert first downs. He did that again against Miami, eight receptions on 11 targets, 86 yards, handful of first downs. And again, that game against Washington scored his first touchdown, seven receptions, and a handful of first downs. Even the other games where his receiving was a little bit lower, think about Buffalo, 43 yards and a handful of first downs. He's a chain mover. He's not just this weapon X. He can be, but now that he's injured and he's still coming off of the injury, I don't expect Darren Waller to just go out there, be that WR1, be that weapon X for this offense, but I expect him to be a chain mover still, get open over the middle of the field, make some plays, fall forward, get the first down, and then again, I really think his biggest impact is just pulling safeties and linebackers out of different zones or out of different spots and manning up on him rather than manning up on other guys and opening things up for his teammates. So I expect this Giants passing attack to be a lot more dynamic with Darren Waller in the lineup. Again, he doesn't have to make much of an impact on the stat sheet, but his presence there should make other players have a really big impact on the stat sheet. So I think that Tommy DeVito is going to rip it this week. I, I know that the, the Saints' run defense is kind of their weakness. So, yes, I still expect Saquon Barkley to be heavily involved, and they're going to try and get him to run us into the postseason. But Tommy DeVito, they're confident in him right now. He's playing with a, a ton of confidence, exuding confidence, um, and he's red hot right now. So I think that now that he's got a really special playmaker in the receiving game with him, I think that it's just going to open everything up, make the field a lot easier for Tommy DeVito to process, spread things out, get the ball moving downfield. And I honestly, bold take, maybe, I think that we might be in store for Tommy DeVito's best passing attack game of the season so far now that Darren Waller is back in the lineup just because of the way that it's going to open things up. Again, he's still injured, so maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Maybe the following week is when we see that, although that's a tougher matchup there with Philadelphia. But I do think that Darren Waller is going to open things up for Tommy DeVito, make it easier for him to throw the ball downfield, and hopefully we see him take some deep shots and connect on some big plays. So Alex, kind of how are you feeling about what I said there with, it's not about getting the ball in Darren Waller's hands, but it's about getting him on the field so we can get the ball into other playmakers' hands because he really does open things up on the field for other guys. Um, you know, referencing what you said about Tommy DeVito a second ago uh, with his, you know, having a really good passing game, I wouldn't be surprised if he had a good running game. You know, like he he just coming off a game where he ran over 70 yards. And like you said, uh, Saints don't have a best run defense. And maybe they do just they, they actually, you know, strategize and, and scheme in some design runs for Tommy DeVito. Um, you know, bait them with Darren Waller over the middle, bait them with Saquon Barkley in the play action. Maybe there's things they can do to actually open up his running portion instead of just, you know, escaping the pocket and making things happen um, on his own off script. So, you know, I could see it, though. I could see a nice passing. I would love to see him, like, 
really put together a complete game where he uses his legs but also hits Wandale in the shorter concepts and obviously Jalen Hyatt over top. Wandale just creates – he's a freaking separation machine, man. The guy just – he's always freaking open. I really hope they keep feeding him the ball. Um, and Waller's going to take a lot of safety attention away. Like that's – I think that really was maybe will leverage Hyatt even because if you have Waller and you attack the seams – you're going to freeze that free safety a lot of times. You know what I mean? You're going to, you're going to freeze that safety because the safety, they're reading the quarterback's eyes. And if Tommy DeVito's staring down Darren Waller and Hyatt has that speed on the outside and he and he can get that safety to drag away just just enough, you're going to see some nice passes downfield um, and hopefully they can get him in stride and, and Hyatt can make an impact here. But, you know, the, the idea that Waller's going to create a lot of attention, uh, you know, command a lot of attention rather – is spot on because and I think it's going to assist everybody. You know, Saquon will will benefit, Tommy will benefit, Hyatt will benefit, uh, Wandale will benefit. You know, these are these are guys that have been performing for us lately, and they've been getting better and developing more chemistry with Devito. So um, I do expect. I don't think it's going to be perfect. Um, you know, we obviously know that Devito and Waller have very very little experience together, if any. So it's going to take some time for them to get on the same page, um, and for Waller to figure out exactly. But I think that Waller's excited to return. I think like when he left this team the team was awful like they were losing every game they were getting blown out like it wasn't even a competitive kind of atmosphere he's coming back into a team that's won three straight games that is feeling confident good and they're and they're feeling like they got a a chance a small sliver of hope i think that he's going to come back reinvigorated and and ready to help this team in in many ways um obviously that mainly is going to come in the passing game but i I also don't think like you said they're going to unleash him immediately it's probably going to be more of like a you know move the chains first downs like we're not going to see him running all over the field but you know let's let's give him a week to kind of readjust before we kind of throw him into the mix in that regard but i do think that uh the, the game is about to open up for this offense because once you have a player like him, the attention that it commands from the safeties, the linebackers, everybody, it opens up the whole scheme. You know, it opens up the whole playbook. Right now, a good chunk of our playbook is not usable because Darren Waller is not in there. And a lot of the, ch- I think there's a good chunk of the playbook that is designed to attack Darren Waller. Um, and they can't do that with, with uh, obviously, with Daniel Bellinger. It's not the same thing. So. I think they can reallocate that. You know, they can really open up the whole playbook again, and then let. Then we're gonna really see Tommy DeVito let it rip. We're gonna see, you know, a lot more hopefully production uh, moving forward in the passing game. Yeah, and we'll see more production and more of Tommy DeVito letting it rip so long as the offensive line continues to keep him upright. Again, as I mentioned earlier, zero sacks allowed on Monday night against the Green Bay Packers, but Tommy DeVito did play a large role in that because there were a few plays where he was grabbed in the backfield. He just happened to wiggle his way out, gain some yardage, or avoid the sack. So Tommy DeVito did a great job avoiding those sacks, but For the majority of the game, honestly, you got to give credit where it's due. The Giants offensive line did a pretty good job. A lot better job in recent weeks than they were at the beginning of the season. The unit, still not a good one, still ranks among the worst in the NFL, but has definitely shown significant progress from the beginning of the season. Is playing at a much higher level than it was back then. Again, still not playing at a high level, but a higher level than where we were at, which I think, again, got to give the unit credit. But looking ahead to the Saints game and looking ahead to really the rest of the season schedule, because after the Saints, you got Philly, you got LA, and then you got Philly again. Some tough matchups if the Giants are really serious about trying to push their way into the postseason. They're going to need their offensive line to step it up. Now, of course, Andrew Thomas 
Thomas is back in the lineup. He's been playing a lot better in recent weeks. I think he's still kind of bothered or not in full shape, like full normal Andrew Thomas shape because of that injury earlier in the season. But he's still been good in pass protection. Uh, if you take a look at some of the stats, his run blocking grades, all that stuff, not necessarily at the Andrew Thomas level that we expect, but he's still holding it down in pass protection, doing a much better job protecting uh, the blind side of the quarterback, Tommy DeVito, or even when uh, Tyra Taylor was in the lineup than anybody else has done all season, Josh Azidu, etc. But then looking at the right side of the line, you got Tyree Phillips, and I think that's where we get a little bit intrigued here with this offensive line because I think Tyree Phillips has been playing all right, and I think the Giants offensive line has really been playing all right in recent weeks. Again, nothing special, but it's been all right. And then you also have Evan Neal, I think, practicing again, maybe returning soon. Do you put him back in the lineup, Alex, or do you just keep riding out with Tyree Phillips here? You know, it has to be Evan Neal, mainly because we need to see what he is. You know what I mean? Like, we know Tyree Phillips is a backup, right? We know that he is not a, is not going to be starting for us long term. But what we don't know is if Evan Neal can get there. Um, and I think that you have to go with, you know, Evan Neal because we need more sample side. He keeps getting hurt. We need to see consistency. We need to see if he can be a solution here. Otherwise... We're going to have to spend. There's four or five weeks left of the season. Five weeks, I believe. So, you know, maybe less. Four, four or five. I don't know. Four weeks. End of the day, you need to see if if Evan Neal can even play. He's back to he's at back to practice now, right? I think he just he just came back to practice. And if he plays well the last three games, four games of the season, and he shows any sort of consistency, at least you can have a like a position battle there. At least you can say like he 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 deserves a chance to win the job. And you bring in competition, in my opinion. But, you know, if you don't get a look at him, you don't get to see what he can do. You don't see, you get to see if he can make any sort of mark that's positive. You have to go and you have to replace him. You know what I mean? You have to go out into this free agency class. I think you have to replace him at the end of the day. But I don't know what you think about that. It seems like you don't you don't think that he should be given the job. I, I just think, can he show enough between now and the end of the season? Is it even possible? I mean, because you're saying, can he make an impact, show some consistency? He's shown a lot of consistency in his career. Consistently terrible football. Yeah, yeah of course. Can he show <laughs> Like, can he show enough in these final four games to make it a competition? Like, in my mind, you kind of have to find the replacement or somebody to battle for the position regardless of whether or not he plays well across the final four weeks in my my opinion i agree with that i agree with that i think though if he goes out and has good games against the eagles who have a really good pass rush then you say to yourself okay like there's something here but i i do agree that like no matter what there needs to be competition i was more so saying like if he shows any sort of promise at least you have a little bit of hope or reason to believe he could get there but right now i have very i have basically no hope he can get there yeah, my thing is, I just don't think that I can have any sort of hope. Even if he balls out these last four weeks, I'm going to consider that a flash in the pan. Like, his sample size is pretty large at this point. It's been battered with injuries. It's been a lot of awful football. No matter what he does over this final month of the season, in my opinion, he can't instill any confidence in me. Like, I'm sorry. I've just kind of lost my way with Evan Neal, and I just can't be confident in him going into 2024. So, while, yes, I, I kind of agree with you, it would it wouldn't hurt to have more film on him and more of a sample size, a larger sample size to take a look at going into the offseason. At the end of the day, I think that the Giants trying to make this playoff push got to get the best guys on the field. Like if they're really serious about trying to make this run, they want to beat Philadelphia. 
Evan Neal's likely going to get torched against Philadelphia. If there's one player who's probably going to perform better against Philadelphia, it would be Tyree Phillips. He was on Philadelphia's practice squad. He knows some of those guys. He might know some of the counters to their pass rush moves from practicing against them. I think if you want a competitive advantage and an edge there, you don't go with Evan Neal coming off of an injury. You probably go with Tyree Phillips, who's in better game shape and has been playing better football over the past few weeks than Evan Neal really did at any point this season. So, While I agree with you, I want to see him in there. I want to see him prove me wrong. I want Evan Neal to live up to the first round billing. I just don't have confidence in him. I don't think it's possible. And if it were me personally, and I was on this coaching staff making this decision like Brian Dable, I think I'm rocking with Tyree Phillips and trying to figure out something in the offseason as a capable solution for the right tackle problem and for Evan Neal. But at this point, I just think you got to put the best guys on the field. And right now, the best guy for that job, in my opinion, would be Tyree Phillips. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I think that right now Phillips is playing at a f- okay level. It's something special. Um, it's it's competent. Um, it's competent, and that's kind. Uh, I'd say, you know, the only thing is I think that there is something to say. Sometimes you have to give players a bit of time to adjust in the NFL. Um, we've seen many players struggle the first two years and then, like, figure it out later on. Austin Jackson's the one I point to as the obvious one with the with the Dolphins, you know. I think it was his year three or four, and he just signed an extension, really finally caught on at left tackle. I remember watching him in his rookie year. The guy literally couldn't stand. He was so – he had such poor balance. Um, Evan Neal has many issues. My The first ones that come to mind – his flexibility is poor. His reaction timing is poor. I think he really fails to recognize stunts. Like, he, he just is not fast enough. His processing is really slow at times. And then other times, it looks like he belongs there. And, like, I've seen I've seen reps where, like, okay, like, where is this guy every play? And it's, like, that's the annoying part, though. Like, every player has some good reps every now and then if you give them enough sample size. They're professional athletes at the end of the day. But it's about the consistency of them. And Evan Neal's consistency is really awful. Um, and he's frustrated, right? Like, he he's lashed out at fans like we get it like he's just as upset as we are and i and i can you know pretty confidently say he wants to be great um he obviously hasn't been there yet and and like think about what joe shane said recently look we know that that film we saw from alabama like we know it's still there like we know that evan neal's alabama self like what happened to him you know what i mean was it bad coaching was it the speed of the game it's it could be a variety of things but truth is that he could get better, like he could get better, and I don't, I don't see Tyree like right now. If you're going to try and make a playoff run, like sure, like t- how much worse is Tyree Phillips? How much worse is Evan Neal and Tyree Phillips? Like it's probably marginal at best, um, but like Tyree Phillips, he's not a long term asset. Like in terms of a starter, he's a good backup to have, very, very, very valuable backup to have. Um, but Evan Neal, like we need to see if he can be anything. Um, I still, I still 100% am on board though with the, with the idea of bringing in competition, um, whether it be free agency, which you know, there's it's a thin market, or whether it be trade, uh, or whether it be through the draft again. You know what I mean? But the thing is, like, guys, how many times do we have to go through this process of drafting players just to realize that the a rookie player is not going to win, is not going to be that good? You know what I mean? How many times do we get rookie players that are like instantly above average players? It's really rare um, that you just instantly get that. Like I know a lot of people want to like allocate a second round pick towards the right tackle position, but guys, like their second round picks, like they have flaws. Like third round picks, they have flaws. Like you're not getting a starting level player right there. You're getting a developmental uh, prospect that 
that is even more developmental than the first-round guys who a lot of times are bad in their rookie seasons. You know what I mean? So, like, look at Ikema Kwonu. Look at Andrew Thomas. Um, like, these guys were terrible in their rookie seasons. Took them years to pick it up, um, some of them at least. T- Thomas took them his second year. But you, you know what I'm trying to say. The draft is a good way to do it, but they're not proven talent. The Giants really need to go into free agency and get a right tackle to that's competent, good, at least average, to compete with Evan Neal. That's the only way to solve this. Or you trade for somebody. You trade a pick. You trade a second-round pick for a guy that maybe is on an expiring contract and you extend him. Like, maybe that's what you want to do. Or a third-round pick, even. Like, a good, a, good ta- a good player, you know, maybe on a bad team that they're trying to get more draft capital. Maybe that's what you have to do. Um, so that's – we'll go through all of these equations, all of these scenarios scenarios during the offseason there are going to be ways to solve this but i think we're both in agreement here that there needs to be some sort of competition infused at the right tackle position otherwise we're staring down the barrel of another really ugly situation in 2024 yeah there needs to be competition i agree with what you're saying i said this i've been i've been saying this on the show like there needs to be an immediate fix for the right tackle spot drafting a player whether it's a top five overall pick offensive tackle Top seven overall pick offensive tackle, that's what Evan Neal is. That's not an immediate fix. You build through the draft. You don't quick fix things through the draft. That's how you build sustainability by drafting and developing young players. But you don't always want to draft a young player and shove them into the starting lineup. Often, Oftentimes, that's a pretty good way to hurt their development and hurt their growth. And you could probably argue that that's what happened to Evan Neal if you really wanted to. Again, he probably was a player that you expected to be definitely better than he is off rip and definitely definitely make some sort of an impact as a rookie and that didn't happen but really you don't want to see rookie players get pushed right into the top of the depth chart that's not normal um it's just that the Giants have been a bad football team for many years so that's what we've been doing but imagine if Micah McFadden was our LB1 this season we're probably not seeing Micah McFadden have the excellent season that he's having and this Giants defense is definitely not playing at the level that it's playing at right now without Bobby Okereke so you bring in guys like that to play those starting roles and you let those young guys develop a behind them and rotate in or step in if there's injuries that's how you do it that's how you build through the draft and build development in players so drafting an offensive lineman especially like a second round pick and expecting them to start and give you good football for 17 games as a rookie it's almost never going to happen it's very very rare you made a really good uh, comparison there with Austin Jackson again I'm not totally giving up on Evan Neal I just don't have confidence in him turning around at any point at between now and the end of this season so I'm thinking you ride with a better player for now if you're trying to make the playoff push if the Giants were already eliminated from the postseason then I'd be talking about you know put in Evan Neal let's see if he turns anything around shows anything developmental but again when you're talking about making an instant impact Giants don't really have anybody to do that uh, but Tyree Phillips right now making somewhat of an impact playing better football than Evan Neal was earlier so I'd ride it out with him but of course I'm curious to know what everybody thinks about that who should ride it out at the right tackle spot can Evan Neal show you anything that gives you confidence going into this offseason and how are you feeling about Darren Waller returning let us know your thoughts on all these topics down below so make sure to like if you did enjoy this episode subscribe to the channel if you are new ring the bell so you don't miss an episode again comment your thoughts down below in the comment section if you're listening on Apple or Spotify please make sure to leave us a five-star review and go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants but without further ado we'll catch you all in the next one have a good one and let's go Giants